Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 mg dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 mg dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, in 1967, a stranger entered a Canadian farmhouse and murdered nine members of the same family. What was behind this random act of violence? We'll review the podcast, The Shell Lake Massacre. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hose off, Rebecca. <laughs> what was that? Hose off? Is that a Canadian reference? It's Bob and Doug McKenzie. They used to say, you, you guys are you hoser? Yeah, hose off, hoser. Oh, I have a question, Toby. Yes. Have you been able to get over the complete roasting you're getting online for messing up Cliff Richards' name? <laughs> Cliff Richards? Cliff Richards, yes. He's called him yeah, Clint Richards. I called him Clint Richards. Uh, yes. I think it's pronounced Clint in England, though. <laughs> yeah, that's probably exactly right. It's sort of like aluminum. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because, uh, or Gerard. Um, yeah, look, I recognized him. I, I, I honestly like. I couldn't have told you why I knew who it was when he came out. I was like, oh, that there he is. Apparently you didn't know. Clint Richard. Uh, But he was like like a pop singer or something. Yes. Schmarmy. Even the British people in our our Facebook group are like, yeah, but I didn't even think that anyone in America would know who he was for a second. It's like, what, you don't know our our obscure, vaguely Christian pop songs? (laughs) (laughs) So we got a... My my friend who uh, lived in America, she lives back in England now, but she would go back to England and she'd get all her mom's like hello and okay magazines, which are essentially like people yeah. uh, and bring them back. And then I'd borrow them and they're just like kind of funny to read because they're almost like fiction because you have no clue who these people are. Yeah. So you're like, here's a tour of so-and-so's, you know, apartment. And her new boyfriend, this guy, and you know, <laughs> and they've got like a couple little dogs, and you're checking and it all a, out. It's like, ah, oh, like, this looks it's awesome. Like Poppy and and Cliff. Yeah, <laughs> I said on a uh, on the Facebook group, I was like, yeah, it's like during the era when I was checking these out, Lady Victoria Hervey. 
mm. who's like some minor royal, I guess, was like all over it. And uh, I was like kind of cracking a joke about it. And uh, my friend Ellie was like, she's very well respected for her charity work. <laughs> oh, okay. Sophie and Bob. Man. Yeah. The only thing that could make this better. Yeah. Is if you were getting like a pedicure while you were reading these magazines, Toby. So I wasn't. This is some serious content. We know you weren't, Toby, because you don't have any toenails. But I think this is very good content is Toby reading to us from a Hello magazine, explaining to us who the people are. We're going to do that in another show sometime. Or okay. Okay. Yes. What is Robbie Williams up to these days? Does does okay know? Yeah. I think at the time, Charlotte Church was uh, dating... A Welsh rugby player whose name was Jake Ball, which is the name of my son as well. So that was like uh, a. Good I know who Charlotte Church is. Yeah, you know Charlotte Church is right. She was the young prodigy opera singer from like the uh, the equivalent of America's Got Talent in England when she was a child. Yeah, that's yep. absolutely three things that I would never know anything. She was about. like twelve or whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah, oh. and she was a big deal across the pond. And she's dating pond. Toby's son. Is that yes, and there, yes. there was also that woman on the on the, who was on that show too, who lo- was like very like. Frumpy yeah. looking, who could also sing really oh, well. Oh, what's her name? She, Susan she, Boyle. Yes, that's <laughs> yes. Susan Boyle. Yes, yes. Oh, I, that was very sweet when she won. I yeah. think there was some stuff about like Susan Boyle getting a makeover, which oh yeah, was like <laughs> in the magazine, sort of troubling. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And hello. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, really? I think- does she need that? You know how you can tell that we're avoiding talking about the podcast that we want to talk about when we do this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But Kevin, is there something else that we could also maybe do before we um, get yeah, to the podcast? I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners who's like a, a super friend of the show, and it's Linnea Motter. Yay! And what she does is she maintains on our webpage, she has a list of all of our reviews. So she goes through and shows she's got, you know, it's a spreadsheet of who's got thumbs up and thumbs down, and it comes in very handy for us at the end of the year when we're trying for to pick- you. For you. No, I make it for you guys. Like, hey, here are the things you gave thumbs up to. Yeah, like those games we play on the after show and stuff. Yes, it's very great. But she does it all on her own. She just volunteered to do it and she sticks with it. And, you know, we we are so grateful to have people like her. And I feel like... We don't pay her enough oh, of love. Listen, we don't pay her anything. But listen, I'm saying we I offered be- <laughs> to pay her a long time ago, and she refused. I was like, "You shouldn't be doing this for free." And she was like, "Don't even start." Yeah, she's wonderful. She's great, and so I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing that. We we love you, and it's a great value that you bring. And if you don't already know this, guys, if you're like thinking, like I wonder who said what about manslaughter, <laughs> I wonder. Well, that one's kind of self-evident, but if you want to go back and check out, people were like, oh, I wonder, I, we see this in Facebook quite a bit when people are like, have you covered this? And yeah, we have. And in fact, if you want, you can go down and you can see where we came down on it, maybe a couple of notes about it. And it would be better though if you downloaded it too, because we really could use that download. We could use the download too. <laughs> so, Linnea, thank you very much. Yeah. And lastly, I want to give a shout out to Rebecca Lavoie on her 50th birthday. Oh, Ooh. thanks, <gasps> babe. Is it my birthday today? Uh, no, it's not your, it'll be, I don't know. When we say it and when it actually happens. My birthday and is it's October just, yeah. 25th. I'll be 600 months old. Nice. You look great. Thanks, babe. You know what? 
You turned 50. Now you're going to turn into that lady in that book I've been reading, Rebecca. No. Oh my God. I wish. I'm not. I've been taking very good care of my skin the last couple of years and it is yeah. paying off because a lot of people are saying I don't look 50 anymore. No, you don't look 50 at uh, all. I know. I've been using that glycolic acid shit. It really works. The it's hair kind of also works. The super hair actually like is, yeah. that's one I'm of your superpowers. You man. Glycolic acid and retinol, I use both and they super fucking work. That is my tip. I'll send you, I'll post I'm the brand. I'm going to write it down. I'll post the brand in the Facebook group if anyone wants. I'll do but happy it. birthday, Rebecca. Thanks so much for going on this trip of life with me. Thank you so Aww. much. I can't wait to see what I get as my present. You got a good present last year for your 49th birthday because you don't like So 50. I don't get anything? You got something. Okay, good. It's on its way from China. <laughs> okay, great. Great. All, All right, right, so Laura, do we have a pet of the week this week? <laughs> <laughs> we have two. Uh, Kevin, um, yeah. one more stalling thing. Yeah. What are we talking about on Monday's show? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the podcast, Magnificent Jerk. Okay, finally. Everyone's been talking about that. I can't wait to listen to it. We'll start listening. All right, great. So I can finally start listening to that one. That's what I say. I mean, there's nothing I'm stopping stretching. you from listening. Kevin, I'm just stretching. You don't need to stretch. Okay. We, yeah. Is it, can we finally, do we finally Let's have to do it? Let's get into this. Let's yeah. do it. Let's go ahead and, and drop that first clip and talk about the podcast we're talking about right now. Leading off. The crunch of tires turning on the dirt road grew closer and closer until finally it stopped. The vehicle sat for a moment in the driveway of the small white farmhouse. A door opened and closed and footsteps approached the front door. While his wife and eight of his children lay sleeping, James Peterson awoke to a stranger at his farmhouse door. Within a matter of minutes, all but one family member would be shot to death in Canada's worst random murder spree. With no apparent motive and no indication as to who the killer was, people locked their doors and loaded their guns, terrified that their family would be next. The scope of the 1967 crime shook Saskatchewan, leaving locals in fear for their lives. Mounties would later interrogate a neighbor who'd been recently released from a hospital and had been hallucinating about the devil. He, while his father testified and was leaving the stand, Hoffman got up and said, Dad, did you get the diamonds or something to that effect? What he meant by that was the devil had promised him a bag of diamonds. If... He killed the family. Rolco Radio presents the six-part podcast, The Shell Lake Massacre. Host Brittany Cafe recounts one of Canada's most gruesome slayings. She also introduces us to Kathy Hill, the only surviving member of the Peterson family, as they both return to the scene of the crime. We're going to be talking about plot points from The Shell Lake Massacre, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. Now, I want to say... One of the reasons why I was stalling a little bit talking about this podcast is because it is grim. The subject matter is grim. It is. It's just grim. No, you're it not is a, it, is, it is sort of like a uh, in cold blood style murder, a wipeout of an, almost an entire family. And it's graphic. I think that the murder is described in a graphic way. And I do think people should know that if they're going to listen to this podcast. But Kevin, there's also a formatic, um, this is also a formatically interesting podcast. It sounds to me like it's, it was maybe made for radio. It's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, it's one of these broadcasts to podcasts kind of thing. It's a Canadian radio station, and I forget the call letters, but uh, yeah, this. I mean, I think it's probably part why these are like 20-minute episodes. They're all the same length, yeah. All the same length. And I thought like, oh, well, this is going to be a, a tight telling story, but... 
what ends up happening is that a lot of the production value is very much like commercial radio news as opposed to podcasting. Um, you know, it's not it's a podcast made not made by a big production company and it sounds that way. And so I feel like, you know, when we're talking about it, I'm not going to say we will grade it on a curve, but I think we have to talk about an evaluation kind of with that in mind. What I consider deficiencies of the podcast have to do with this being, I think, driven philosophically, production-wise, structurally, by being a commercial news product as opposed to a straight podcast product. It almost sounds, Toby, also like, a nearly like a one woman show, doesn't it? I mean, there's there's not a like lengthy credits at the end of these episodes. So what do you think about that? I mean, this that that's not a we should say not an easy thing to pull off, basically doing a story of this length, you know, primarily by oneself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, written, hosted and produced by this one person. There is a brief list of like editorial consultant or whatever. But, you know, again, I, I think kind of echoing what Kevin was saying, you know, most of what we review on on this is done by podcasting companies. And there's usually like a team that's working on a podcast. And, and even like when I was doing Strange Arrivals, even though it was a small team, like I had three producers and people giving me feedback about scripts and, and all this stuff. And it, and it feels to me like that may have been like a little bit lacking in this, that there were some things where if somebody had been able to, you know, kind of pipe in and say, do you really need to do this? Or shouldn't we do that? That might've been helpful. I, cause I just know that when you're just doing it yourself, you've got these certain ideas and you're, you're so immersed in it that it's really necessary to have somebody from the outside kind of looking in and, and giving you feedback that way. And I think sometimes this podcast would have benefited from that. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions I had, Laura, is does this podcast tell the story of a larger social issue that is topical right now? Does it tell the story of something that needs to be reformed or is it just telling a local history story, which, by the way, we hear at the end is not an okay thing for people to think of it as a local history story, right? When we hear that the family member is does not want the grave thought of as like a, a historical monument, which is correct, by the way. But like, I mean, that that's that's sort of what I was thinking is, is this just a history? And in some ways, it's like a history podcast. Right. I mean, I looked at it. This was really just to me a recap of this massacre of these murders and 2017 was the 50 year anniversary. So I guess my question was, why now with regard to doing a recap of this case? And yes, it's a, it's a very interesting case. It's a case that I think a lot of people, if you live in Canada, probably have heard of. So I was wondering, you know, looking at like that why now angle. I mean, I think I always look at things from like sort of like a news hook perspective of like what would make this a good reason to look back at the story now. Um, like what is the impact that this has had long term on this community from that angle? More about like Phyllis, the only survivor of this massacre, like but I, you know, and I, I did go online to look up Phyllis and it's, she stopped giving interviews a while ago and she's she's since passed away. But I feel like the big question to me that came at like why I would maybe look at the news hook of this is like, have there been changes or not in Canada's mental health system 
as a result of this case? And what are they? And if there haven't been changes, why not? Because it's pretty clear when you're listening to this that uh, Victor Hoffman, who is the killer in this case, um, you know, he's schizophrenic. He had been released from a hospital. He'd been given electroshock therapy, medication, released to his parents. But he was having a lot of, you know, obviously delusions. And he was being told that, you know, the devil is telling me to do this, um, or he had fought the devil before the murder. So clearly this is a case that is kind of like a case study in somebody with severe mental health issues and what happened when they didn't get the treatment that they needed and they were released into the community. So, and and that angle to me, I think was really interesting. And I actually went on, you know, again, I like kind of looked online to see if there had been any articles about that. And Kathy, who is the family member who wasn't home when the massacre happened, a few years back, actually talked about that in an article about how she was frustrated. And she said, you know, quote, for the most part, I'm frustrated with the system that doesn't seem to recognize that these people need help until it's too late to do anything about it. So I think when I'm looking at why are we getting a recap now, because it wasn't really the significant anniversary that's already come and gone, I would like to see kind of an angle taken on this this case to like kind of flesh out sort of some bigger issues that we could look at through the lens of these murders, if that makes sense. But, you know, Laura, it's hard to get a, you know, like, as you say, a news angle from a 55 year old right. case. Right. But I think that they have something new that could have changed the storytelling. And I think it was a big missed opportunity is that they have Kathy Hill. And like, I don't know, do we even. I'm trying to think, do we hear from her in episode one or do we just get to her in episode two? It's like, this is how I would have done it. I think this is part of one of the part of the problems with the the format is that it doesn't have the feel, the elegance of a podcast for a couple of reasons. But one is like, I would have rewritten this. So the opening scene is Brittany's like, I'm in the car with Kathy Hill and we're on our way down this road, and you don't say where you're going. And like, and Kathy I've likes. I've driven by it a million times. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Never saw it before. And then, like, you finally like, you walk with you, you get all sorts of natural sound, walking along, just maybe shooting the breeze. And then you drop that this is the place where nine members of her family were gunned down. Bum bum bum, right? <clears throat> without the bum bum bum. Without maybe. the bum bum bum, right? But you, you know what I'm saying. And and work more with what you have with Kathy and make that as opposed to what just kind of comes down as a very clinical recap of the different headlines from this, you know, from the original story, I would have done that. And I think some other, you know, the the production things were that everything was like really tight. Oh my God. That scene where they went to the house was so short. This is the steps into going to the house and, and that's where the house was sitting. This was, this would have been the porch. And then, I guess that Caragana just took over everything. It was just, I, I couldn't believe it. So this is supposed to be this big payoff, right? Right. They have Kathy. Brittany has Kathy. She's talking to this, you know, surviving member of this family whose entire family was annihilated. Her sister, we just found her sister died way too young, experiences horrible trauma, the heart and soul of this story, who's the only one who's really able to tell this story from like a family member's perspective. We go back to the house where we just heard, by the way, a way too graphic TikTok of this murder. 
we're there. And then we're there for like 90 seconds, it felt like. It was mm-hmm. like- Then the graveside. A couple of bottles yeah. on the ground, and then we get back in the car and we f- get out of there. It's like, even if you were literally weren't there 90 seconds, like let us breathe there for a minute. Yeah, there's like one sound bite where um, I think it's the neighbor. Someone is talking about, you know, the incident and they begin to cry. And we actually don't hear any, you know, anyone get that emotional throughout this the series, but it's like intro, the person's crying and it's boom. And then right back into narration. It was so unreal. Like you just can't fathom that a whole family would get murdered. Like it was so surreal and just awful and almost overwhelming that you can't even fathom that that would happen. Life slowly returned to a regular routine for the Seminar family. The emotional impact, like we don't get to sympathize with that moment because all of a sudden now we're back into narration. Right. Whereas a little more elegant production would have been, they would stop, there would be some music and we would sort of breathe. It's a beat, yeah. A beat and then come back in, you know, and then maybe read it to like all of a sudden it's a little more sympathetic, a little more empathic. Uh, yeah, all, re- all the narration is basically the same. In this yeah, it was all very news radio. And I think, again, I think that that's sort of the, the form defeated the function. Mm, yeah. Well, the thing, Toby, that I felt was that there were a lot of details that were missing and then there were a lot of details that were extraneous. So as far as like the house stuff goes, like I'm curious to know like what's going to become of this property, right? Abandoned property right across here from this other farm. You know, is it Kathy's property now? Like what is going to become of this abandoned site of this like horrible massacre? But like we just drive away, you know, there's a lot of just things like that that like, you know, are sort of dangling questions. But then instead of getting those, I do get a lot of details that I kind of don't necessarily want um what did you think about that had the how did you think of the disbursement of sort of like storyline and details uh worked here yeah i mean i think there's there wasn't a whole lot of signposting about what's important and what's not important like one of the sort of quirks of this is that she's constantly naming like everybody so she'll be the like the whole list of children yeah like both parents and the whole list of children and, and she does that what like four or five times With Kathy away, life on the farm continued for Jim, Evelyn, Jean, Mary, Dorothy, Pearl, William, Phyllis, Colin, and Larry. Although they were missing their eldest daughter, the eight children at home kept Jim and Evelyn busy. Like, I was just never sure. I'm like, am I supposed to, like, keep track of who these people are? Is it going to matter in the end? It's really hard to find something to grasp onto to sort of center the story around. So instead, you're just trying to keep track of a bunch of names, relationships, some dates, but it's never clear, like, what's sort of the core of this? And I'm not sure I'm I, I'm clear when it's over either. It's like, what do you want me to, like, what's what's the point? Like, what are, what are we taking away from this? I thought the most interesting part was honestly about schizophrenia and, and sort of Victor's story and stuff, because, I mean, the family was just, unfortunate right they just happen to be where he ended up so most of that stuff is just like you know here are these people who are gonna die and this is yeah. what their deal was so kevin but it's hard to say that we don't like britney cafe oh I no mean, I, that's yeah. one thing i want to make clear yeah i mean I, I i mean like good grades for effort here she actually got more people who were there the neighbors the reporter and kathy than I would imagine anybody else would get from a, like a 50 year old case. 
she is the true crime enthusiast on the staff, I guess. And she's like, this is the one I want to tell. This is the one I've always How do you know up. so much about this? But did, did well, you like- I, went, I, I was curious about what Ralco Radio was. Yeah, oh, okay. I looked it up too. Lars, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is like, you know, a, a fantastic enterprise project for a local radio station. And I think we're trying like to be like not too critical of Britney because. We like Britney. Yeah, I mean, there's She's no. It's very difficult to not like. I mean, I, I will say that as much as I may not love this podcast, I don't dislike. It's hard to walk away from this being like, ah, Brittany. Like, you can't. No, 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 you can't. I mean, I, th- I think she gathered a lot. I think that what would have happened is like, like Toby said, if you get feedback from other people that you could have taken everything that you you gathered and put it together in, you know, a way that might be different you don't want to keep doing it the same way episode after episode like i would just start talking about the patreon in the business section right? oh good transition kevin so like that always you already know that's happening yes right? we've gotten a lot of feedback that people know it's happening people know it's ha- they know it's gonna happen they, you've telegraphed it yes yes well until they tell me to stop doing it then oh, I'm not we're still gonna, gonna do it i'm still gonna we need do to tell it. people what's on our patreon yeah if you join us on patreon by the way, do you know what Patreon is? Have I explained that? Yes. Do I have can to go I, all the way can back? Can I ask a question? Yeah. Can people still join for the year? Is that still a thing? Yeah. As a matter of fact, can you, you talk about that, please? Because people have been asking me about that. And why do you not know the answer? Because I don't know. I know that's a feature that you can turn on and off. And I've been getting yeah. questions because there's another Patreon that fans of our show are fans of mm-hmm. that they just turned on that feature. So I got a couple of questions yeah. about whether we had that feature. Yeah, absolutely. So you can join Patreon. You can join us monthly. Or if you join, for an, an annual subscription, you'll save 10%, and you're locked in for a year, and for a whole year, you're going to get exclusive content like The Crime Writers on After Show, you're going to get Married with Podcast, where we're going to talk about people's sex lives, mm. other people's sex lives. Yes, and mine. And, and yours. Sure. Right. I'm going to use myself as an example when I answer that question. Okay. Oh, Great. I'm going I'm to take notes. We have Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast. Laura is always getting into trouble with animals, whether it's dogs taking a dump <laughs> in beautiful downtown Exeter, New Hampshire, or, and by the way, I love my title for that. What the deuce? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have, we also, Laura, you're also going to be uh, telling us about her experience with the goats and poison the ivy. Goats. Yeah, the goats coming up. And um, I mean, who knows? You never know. And it, it could be anything that I get into. You um, ought to be the number one radio show in Saskatchewan <laughs> is what I think. That's it. That's what I'm going to aim for right now. Yeah, yeah. And if you join us at the uh, let's do what we do level. Let's do what we do. Then uh, you can get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad free. And if you join at the deep dive level, you'll get to not only get all the great exclusive podcasts, but when Toby Ball records his deep dive book club podcast. You can come. You can watch the live recording. You can comment in the chat section. Toby has been known to take people and put them on the screen. He doesn't know how to work the technology all that well, but his heart's in the right place. Yes. And Toby, tell us about the next book that uh, folks are going to be seeing. Uh, they're going to they're going to be hearing the podcast version in their feed soon. Uh, Death on W Street. Uh, it's about the uh, murder and subsequent conspiracy theories surrounding uh, Seth Rich. We also have um, an episode this week of These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast. We're going back to some classic Mothership episodes. This is one where Mike Logan is uh, confronted by his childhood priest. And his childhood priest is doing exactly what you would think a childhood priest would be doing. Wow. 
All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Lindsay Rotary and Agathy Hyrun. Ooh. Bless you. Bless you, Lindsay. Bless you, Agathy. I actually had a little interaction with Lindsay. Uh, on Facebook this week. She was a wonderful person. I know. I didn't have that interaction on Facebook. But I told you about because it. I, well, because I've You're been, locked out. I've been locked out of Facebook. I know. You're right. banned. You're banned. When can you come back in like 26 days? At this point, it'd probably be like two more weeks. You know yeah. what that means, guys? That means I'm in charge of our Facebook group. I can do whatever I want. Can you even look at it, Kevin? Or I can, can look you at not it. even You can see what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah just my own Facebook it. is fine, but I can't it was there was an issue with um the these are their stories page and he can't Facebook. participate in yeah, any of our groups or pages, yeah. so I am for the president. Time, for sure, time, yes. And he can see what I'm doing, but he can't do anything about it. I think this oh is a good my. place to end the business and section. And ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and pay that music out right now, and you can't do anything about that either. Badoop boop. So, Laura, I know I mentioned this before, but do you agree with me that the description of the murders in this podcast are pretty graphic? Yeah, I mean... And, I, and this is something that I do for work. So, I mean, I'm used to murdering. Like reading. You murder people? For no, work? no, I don't murder people for work, but I read, I, you know, I do, you know, in my, my role as a, a criminal defense investigator uh, over the years, I have had to read very graphic reports and look at graphic photos, but that's just for me or like the people involved. That's not for the general public listening to it. So, I mean, yeah, it's like we have this guy, he was shot 11 times. His wife, and here I'm, I'm going to repeat all this graphic stuff. His wife, Evelyn, shot dead behind their house with the toddler. She had jumped out the window with him. Six other children shot at close range while they were asleep. And then the one that survived, hidden under the sheets between two of her sisters who had been killed. So it's very graphic, but honestly, I don't know how you can not give some sort of description of what happened because this is like you said earlier, this is like Canada's version of like the, the murder that was documented in cold blood, like a rural farmhouse and a family murdered and a family shot. But we, but we got a description in the first episode, but then in like episode six or whatever, or seven, we got a minute, like a second by second, like, and then he did this and then he did this and then he did this. Yes. When he like pulled up based on the the confession. Yeah. It was hard. It was was so hard to listen to. Like I found it very difficult to listen to. Yeah. Well, I think that was when he was, he's like, he couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He could only think of killing. Yeah. I was like, Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was pretty graphic, but it's, it's hard to know. Again, in a case like this where you do have, you know, an entire family murdered, I feel like you do have to give some description, but maybe a trigger warning would have been helpful. Toby, what do you think? Yeah, I found it pretty jarring, quite honestly. Like, I didn't really need to have that specificity. Like, I kind of feel like if you're going to be that specific, like, those details should mean something rather than just be kind of put out there you don't really hear about it again, right? It's not like something that's in dispute at the case. doesn't give you any insight into anything. It's just like, oh, this is what happened, and it's freaking horrible. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Rebecca in that I probably wouldn't have done it this way or yeah. at all. I mean, I think you can – I think it's fine to say – you know, just something along the lines of he went room to room and 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 killed everybody yeah. in the family, and and the only survivors were people he didn't realize he hadn't killed. I mean, that's sufficient, right? I mean, yeah. you don't need to know 
Yeah, I almost feel like it's because she had, like sometimes, and we've talked about this, Kevin, we've talked about this when we talk about writing, like you don't want to kill your darlings. I think it's like she was able to get this like play by play of what happened. So she felt like she wanted to use it. Right. I'll tell you. And I've been in that situation myself when I've been reporting and writing and I'm like, oh, I've got this juicy detail. And I really, you know, so it's like you, you get the information and you're like, well, I have this. You know, know? but it, I mean, I, I'm not like counter, like including details in true crime stories. And there are some details in here that are horrific, but, but underscore the point in a way that to me is much more effective. So an example of that for me would be in the aftermath of the shootings when the surviving sister went across the street and the neighbor cleans her up and then puts her pajamas out on the line because they had been bloody. Like that was like a, for me, like a very effective way of conveying the horror of the scene without then also telling me about the siblings on either side of that sister having been shot in the exact manner in which they were shot. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was plenty horrible about the cows, you know, crying because they hadn't been milked because the whole yeah. family was dead. And you all know that you got to milk the cows on time. Otherwise they suffer about, I mean, there were other descriptors in there that were like, to me, very effective. Um, another thing that was interesting to me detail wise is that the lack of communication in Saskatchewan in 1967 made us that the sister didn't find out like for a really she long never time. Right. She had to find out basically by like Paul Revere style that her family had been murdered. I mean, it's, it's just I mean, that kind of stuff to me was like those details. And those were the things I would have given a little more time to because those details are like that to me is like what would brings a sense of place, a sense of atmosphere, a sense of tone and a sense of horror without, you know, giving the. I know, I'm OK with the details. I think that they're important. I, I don't have an opinion on the tone or whether it was delivered the right way. I hadn't really sort of, you know, made a mental note of that, but I, I, I think it would be more of a disservice if you didn't include some of what happened because no, there, I was, think like, there was chaos. And I would put it together. I was more like, I was more like wondering how did she know that James Peterson, he asked who it was three times. Louder, louder. Well, at the time I didn't know that. Right. I'm right. like, well, how do you get this interiority? You know, um, and I'm assuming that that's, you know, later on we know that he confessed. I'm like, okay, so this is where some of the details came. I was thinking, like, uh, if everybody dies except for a four-year-old, who's going to remember X, Y, or Z, right? Um, so, I, that, I mean, that's what I was saying. And that was answered later. I, I, was, I was okay with that. You know, but I, I didn't need to hear multiple times that people in town were scared, said in different ways. Like, I think there was a way to make what we had here a better podcast. What do you think about the uh, production twist that we get at the end of episode four? That's actually, that actually piqued my interest that at the end you of you describe all, what happened for people may not have heard. Um, yeah. Like all of a sudden, like sort of in the narration is, you know, we're chugging along like we have, but she says that after the production of the original episode came out, they ended up receiving the original file from the Mounties. And so I don't know, you know, what, you know, why it was timed that way. Like, why didn't they wait or whatever? It just, it, sometimes it just happens. But they went and, and decided they were going to re-edit the stuff that they have, as opposed to just making a very special seventh episode. Yeah. And including, like, so, like, what was added and what was not in the original production, uh, I, I don't know. I can't parse it that way. But all of a sudden, I'm like, ooh, okay, well, here we go. Here's if only Serial would do that. It if would only be serial go back. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> good for them for knowing like, okay, we can, 
we can uh, supplement and uh, elevate our own reporting by adding the things that are here, even if it is an actor reading the lines of uh, of a defendant. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the six-part podcast, The Shell Lake Massacre? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? So for me, I think this podcast wasn't necessarily the type of true crime podcast that I kind of gravitate to and listen to. It was more of a recap of the case and you know, a case that happened over 50 years ago in Canada, which was a really horrific case. Um, And, you know, it was information that I could have gone and and read in an article if I wanted to learn about the case. For me, this is a thumbs down. I just, you know, admire that this small AM radio station uh, worked to put out a podcast and do something out of their wheelhouse and try something new. And they had all the right sources. They had access to people. They had good information. It just, for me, didn't necessarily engage me because, you know, it was a very just straightforward recap as opposed to kind of delving into some of the issues or having really a character at the center that I was following through that I felt engaged with that I wanted to kind of follow their journey. So unfortunately for me, this is a thumbs down. Toby Ball. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a thumbs down too. I mean, for me, like it just kind of felt like this is a little under-resourced. It feels like a one-person operation like with some help, but but really it falls on uh this woman Brittany and it, you know, it's hard like without having other eyes and 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 feedback and stuff to put together a podcast is is difficult. I think there's also some genre stuff uh, between AM radio uh, that doesn't translate so well to podcasting. Uh, I would, you know, if if Brittany was with a company that had a little more resources to kind of help her out on stuff, like I would definitely listen to another podcast that she did. I thought she was a good host and some of the instincts were right, but yeah, this just felt, it, it felt a little thin, unfortunately. And I think could have used some editing and production help to get to the point where like sort of most of the podcasts we listen to are so uh, thumbs down, but you know, again, uh, you know, credit for uh, putting this thing out. Kevin Flint. Yeah. I'm also going to go thumbs down. Look um, as somebody who uh, worked in a uh, tiny AM radio station in a uh, very not metropolis. I I can really uh, appreciate the work that went into this, I I feel like it's an achievement that you you know this podcast made it onto you know the top charting podcasts you know for true crime. That's a real achievement. That's something that you could take away from it. The raw material was here to make something a little different. I'd say a lot different. And I think I'm kind of reminded like how Josh Baker would take his stuff for I'm not a monster, and he would have a a separate product for for PBS for TV than he did for his podcast he didn't just sort of like take the audio from that he saw that as two different things and I feel like because this originated it appears to have originated as a broadcast news feature uh, series it could have been taken apart and reworked for podcasting because 
the production values, the listener expectations, the things that you can do with the podcast when you don't have to hit the post, when you don't have to make a certain amount of time, when you can fluctuate a little bit, let it breathe. You know, that was kind of missing here. I feel like we could have done things differently with what we had and didn't make the most of what you did have. So in that case, it's a, you know, I, I feel, I do honestly, I feel like the orange tree here. I feel like this was a great effort by people who um, were under-resourced, but it just, it's, it's not, it's not really, it's not great. So anyway, thumbs down. Yes. I'm also a thumbs down. I like Brittany Cafe. I just want to say that right now. But I would never have greenlit this podcast because of the story. To me, there's no story here to fill out a series, right? This is a feature article or a feature radio story, a one-part feature radio story. This is a what happened, a remembrance of a horrific crime and the impact it had on a family and a community. That is not a series. That is a single story. There was no mystery as to who committed this crime that's not, I'm sorry, I hate, I don't want to do a spoiler, but like it comes out like pretty early in the podcast that there was no mystery. Um, th- this is something that like, it's very much a, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened. It's just a retelling. And I am not comparing it to uh, families who kill the donut shop murders. I'm not. But this is basically a, you know, the, the thing that has in common with that podcast, it's like a graphic retelling of a horrible murder where we know who did it. And this is what happened. Like, that's this kind of story. And to me, that's just not what a serialized series should be. A serialized series should include some component of a larger issue at play that gets you thinking or twists and turns in the story that make you want to listen to the next episode because you don't know what is going to happen or what happened next. And this story just doesn't have any of the elements that that make it something that I would green light to be a multi-part story. It just doesn't. And it, it also has some of the issues that you guys mentioned. So I'm not going to repeat those. So anyway, thumbs down for me. And I really would like to hear more work from Brittany. So I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? Oh, we have a bear of the week this mm. week. We do. Is he, yes. is he corpulent? He is fat. She is fat. <laughs> So voting, this is according to CNN, is now over in the Katmai National Park and Preserves annual Fat Bear Week contest. Nobody shaming to these guys. The public picks 12 from 12 contestants in an online sort of bracket, kind of like Toby and his sports ball mm-hmm, format. Mm-hmm. The 2023 winner, 128 Grazier, a defensive mama bear who has successfully raised two letters of cubs and who often preemptively confronts and attacks much larger bears, even large and dominant adult males. Wait, there's a larger bear than 128? I voted for 128 because that bear was, no shame, fat AF. It says, uh, according to the CNN story, she blew her final competitor 32 chunk straight out of the salmon-filled waters they both like to fish. Grazier received 100,008, 321 votes to Chunk's 23,134 votes, according to explore.org, which tabulates the online content. One of the, one of the bears is named Chunk, like in Chunk. Goonies. Yep, Chunk Loft. Uh, Grazier was first identified as one of the bears dining in the local river in 2005 as a young cub. Since then, she's become one of the best anglers at the river. Clearly, that's <laughs> she can fish successfully in many locations. 
This year, she was uh, didn't have any cubs, but the other bears remembered her fierce devotion to her litter and gave her a lot of leeway. Um, the runner-up, Grazier's final competitor, Chunk, is an up-and-comer with an enigmatic history with other bears. Mm. <laughs> the male was first identified in 2007 as a, quote, independent, chonky-looking 2.5-year-old bear. He sometimes played with other bears or would patiently wait to scavenge their leftover salmon. <laughs> I love that they didn't have all this. Doesn't being a, uh, okay, we'll just call him a fat bear. Isn't that, isn't that just a sign of good living? Yeah, yeah. this fat. is not body shaming. Being a fat bear is a compliment. Bears don't feel well, shit, but I hear what you're saying. complimenting the bear for like this particular bear for like protecting her cubs uh-huh. and being kind of badass. She's fat AF though. I mean, she looks like she, <laughs> she looks like, Kevin, I'm showing Kevin the final four right now. Which yeah. one, which one is objectively the fattest one? That's, yeah. This one in the corner. That's, <laughs> I mean, objectively. But, I mean, you, a, a, an animal doesn't get that big unless they're able to feed and, and they're living and healthy. And because she's and, aggressive yeah. and the other bears are scared of her, she gets the most fish. That's clearly what's been happening. Yeah. Okay. And here's from the National Park Service so that we know we're not fat shaming the bears. They say Fat Bear Week is an annual celebration of success. Yes. All yeah. bears are winners. And then it says, why fat matters. From its humble beginnings as Fat Bear Tuesday in 2014 to over 1 million votes cast in 2022, celebrating fat bears and the area's healthy ecosystem has since become a tradition. For bears, fat equals survival. Yes. I got to tell you, I watch a lot of Park Service bear cams. You can go, there's there's a lot of live animal cams you can go on on the internet and watch. Just look up live animal cams and Google. There are so many choices. You can watch eagles' nests. You can watch kitten boxes. They have these bear cams in some of these national parks. You can literally all day just watch grizzly bears catching salmon. It is fucking fantastic content. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and make their pitch for any animal at all to be Cat of the Week, how can they find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at Lara Bricker on Twitter. Toby Ball, how about you? How can you be found online so people can pitch you into joining the Fattest Bear Contest next year? Oh, uh, you don't even have to pitch me. I'm definitely joining uh, at Toby Ball on H. Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. If you want to follow me everywhere, find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And I really do encourage you folks to join our completely non-toxic, super awesome Facebook group. It's especially awesome right now because Kevin can't post it. Oh, God damn it. The content's amazing. We also have a regular old Facebook page. Just go there, hit join the group. We'll let you in if you're not jerky. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Kevin also has only one good suit to wear to his daughter's wedding. That's true, actually. Yes. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Toby, what do you think? By the way, I'm just, we need to fill the time. Toby, what do you think? Uh... <laughs> Partners in Crime Media.